0: الَّذِينَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ Who are the kafirin? They are those who تَتَوَفَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels take at the time of death. Meaning, when the angels come to take their souls at the time of death, what was the state of these kafireen? They were and fusihim. They were doing ظُلْمُ on themselves. Lalimi is actually ظَالِمِين. But the noon is dropped because and fusihim. There's idafa over here, it's murakkab Idafi, Okay, those of you who are familiar. So, ظالمي أنفسهم. They were doing zulm on themselves. When the angels came to take their souls, these people were busy doing zulm on themselves. What is zulm? We think zulm is like hitting someone, killing them, torturing them, physically abusing them, taking their money away. Would anyone do that to themselves? I mean, there are cases when people do zulm on themselves like that, but rare. What is this zulm talking about then? What kind of zulm is this? The zulm of sin. Sin. Disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doing those actions that will bring about Allah's anger. Why is it called dhulm? Why is it called injustice? Why is sin called injustice against oneself? Yes, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this time, gave us this freedom, gave us opportunities. Why? So that we throw ourselves into hellfire? Is that why? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us this time, this opportunity, this life. Why? So that we do something good and through this effort earn a place in Jannah. But when a person does those actions which will take him to hellfire, then what is he doing? He is being unfair to himself. He is being unfair to himself. You know, this is like a person has been given money. He's got money in his pocket. And he has the ability, the time, to go buy clothes, to go buy food. But what does he do? He throws the money, and he goes, sleeps on a bench in a park. This is crazy. This is literally craziness. What else is it? He's doing zulm on himself. Likewise, a person when he's committing a crime, like for example, robbing someone's house, he goes in, breaks a window, goes into the house in order to steal something, and what does he get? Hardly any money, and then he's caught. Was it worth it? Was it worth those $200 that you found? No, it wasn't worth it. You're doing zulm on yourself. So likewise, when we commit sin, when we're doing sin, when we're disobeying Allah, we might think we're having the best time of our life, but in reality, we are bringing about eternal pain, eternal suffering and misery on ourselves. I mean, you hear these words all the time, don't do this, you'll ruin your future. Drive carefully, make sure you don't get any tickets, because it's going to ruin your future. Keep away from bad company, it's going to ruin your future. But what is the real future that we should be concerned about? The akhirah, And if a person commits sin, he's doing Zulm on himself. So those people whom when the angels come to take their souls at the time of death, what were they busy in? Sin. The disbelievers are who? The Mutakabbereen are who? Those who are busy committing sin. Can you imagine dying in the state of sin? Dying in the state of sin? Over here in this ayah in particular, Zulm refers to Shirk. Kufr. Because in the previous ayat, what is mentioned? Rejecting the oneness of Allah, rejecting the hereafter, rejecting prophethood. But from this we also learn any other sin also, that a person is engaged in at the time of death. Terrible.
1: Assalamu alaikum. I was listening to a lecture by uh, Abdul Bari Yahya. The title of it was, uh, A Bad Ending. And in it, he is giving a set of examples of people who've ended badly, where they were found in a situation where they weren't supposed to be. There's many, many examples. There's only one that I can remember now. It's uh, this uh, brother who was on the highway. He got into an accident, so the car got into some kind of tumbling, turning around. And the person who was trying to help him got there, and he was still alive, alhamdulillah. And then, but the car was upside down, and he was inside the car, strapped in, and he couldn't move. So the person said, what can I do for you while we're waiting for, you know, the, the ambulance to get here? He says, just lit a cigarette for me. And the person said, are you sure you want to do this? He said, yes, please, just go ahead. So the person lit the cigarette, put it in, and unfortunately, because there was oil leaking, the car went up into flames, and he died in that state. Where he was actually really not dead, but because of it, he blew into, he got, he, he got killed that way. So.
0: Because in the state of Nazar. You know, when a person is unconscious, you know, not fully conscious, not fully unconscious, then what happens? What's deep down in his heart and his mind, that is what comes to the surface. The fears that they may have, the wishes that they may have, the one whom they love, the one whom they hate, I mean, these are the things that they talk about. So, ظَالِمِي أَنفُسِهِمْ Now, remember that some sins are such that a person is uh, actively engaged in. Like for example... Stealing. Or for example, eating something haram. Saying something bad. This is a kind of sin which a person is actively involved in. But there are some other sins which a person you can say is passively involved. Meaning he's not really in the act of it, but this is what he's been doing. You know like for example, a person says, I'm a doctor. But doesn't mean that all the time they're examining sick people. No. They're a doctor. Even when they are sleeping even when they are eating. So the state of ظلم means that they were in a state, they were living a lifestyle, a lifestyle in which was some sin, meaning some sin was prevalent. Whether that sin is of shirk or kufr or some haram, whatever it may be, zalimi anfusihim. But when the angels showed up before them to take their souls away, what was the reaction of these people? salam fa فألقووا. So they put down, meaning they offered, as salam, surrender. They surrendered right there. Like, yeah, we will listen to you. They surrender to the angels and they say, Ma kunna na'malu min su'. We weren't doing anything wrong. We weren't doing anything wrong. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I've never heard a fly. I've never done anything wrong. Ma kunna na'malu min They start lying at that time just to save themselves. You know like a criminal is caught red-handed and he comes up with this bizarre story to show that he wasn't really committing that crime, it was an accident or he didn't really mean to do it or somebody else was doing it and they just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. So they appear as the criminal whereas they weren't actually the criminal. kunna na'mal min su' We weren't doing anything wrong. And many people do this. That when they're caught, they come up with some false excuse to show that they were innocent. Now before a human being, like for example a mother, maybe that story will help you. Or maybe before a teacher, a false excuse might work. But the angels of Allah, would it work over there? This false excuse, would it work? No. Why? Because the angels, I mean come on, they record your sins. They record your deeds. Fa Bala Allaha Rather, Allah is fully aware of what you used to do. فدخلو. So on the day of judgment they will be told, Enter Abuaba Jahannam, the doors of hellfire, Khalid abiding therein eternally, al So surely how bad is the home of those who are arrogant. What is the home of the arrogant? Hellfire, not paradise. Because there's only two destinations in the hereafter either Jannah or Nahr. If a person has pride, that will not allow him to enter Jannah. So, what's the other option? Hellfire. And it is said to those people who ittaqaw, those who fear Allah. Now, another kind of attitude is being portrayed. One is of arrogance. Proud towards Allah. munkirah Not willing to accept the oneness of Allah. Looking down on the truth. Belittling the truth. Rejecting it constantly. So such people who live such arrogant lives, what will happen at the time of death? They will try to surrender. And they will try to come up with anything to save themselves from punishment. On the Day of Judgment, when they'll be questioned where are your gods? What will their response be? Nothing. They will be silent. So embarrassed, so scared, they won't be able to speak even. On the other hand, are those who are humble towards their Lord. Who fear their Lord. Who realize that their Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has given them so many blessings. And out of this gratitude, they're also afraid of their Lord. They're too shy to even sin. They're too shy to turn away from obedience. So such people who have shukr, who have taqwa, when they are asked, مَاذَا أَنزَلَ رَبُّكُمْ So what is it that your Lord has sent? What is your opinion about the Qur'an? What do you say about the book of Allah? So if someone was to ask you, what do you think about the Qur'an? What would you say? What would your answer be? If someone says in one word, tell me, what is the Qur'an? Huh? A blessing? Guidance? Anybody else? Words of Allah. Somebody is asking you, what is your opinion? How would you describe the Qur'an? What do you say about the Qur'an? What do you think about the Qur'an? I mean, the answers that she gave me, they're right. Blessing, okay. That I understand. But guidance, this is something in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself tells us that Qur'an is hidayah. So, What do you think about the Qur'an? My Savior to the hereafter, okay. Peace, okay. Amazing. You know, for example, if somebody says, have you tried that drink, that new coffee at Tim Hortons? Have you tried it? Uh, A person might say, garbage. Another might say, it is amazing. Another person might say, it's okay, not that impressive. Another person might say, I like the variety. Another might say, I think it's too strong. So what you say is what you feel. What you feel. Your genuine feelings are expressed in the words that you say about something. So when people of Taqwa are asked, what do you think about the Qur'an? Qalu they say, Khaira. It's all good. It is all good. It's nothing but good. Every part of the Qur'an, every word of the Qur'an, every ayah of the Qur'an, every surah of the Qur'an, every command of the Qur'an is good. Why do they say this? Because that's what they feel. That the Qur'an is a source of khayr. Not a source of problems, it's a source of khayr. That since they have discovered the Qur'an, since they have learned the Qur'an, they have only received goodness in whatever way, shape or form you know recently this lady she was telling me that from childhood she used to cry a lot, she was one of those people who cry a lot, you know over every little thing they fell and they cried and they got hurt and they cried and someone said something and they cried, many girls are like that, they're like too emotional it's like you need just a small trigger and the tears will come many of you are smiling, are you like that too? anyway so she said that Now I think about it and I feel that I don't cry that much like I used to before. I'm not that overly sensitive anymore. Why? She says, the only difference I feel is that the Qur'an is now in my life. I have a source of comfort. You know, my soul was hungry. My heart is now fed. I have peace. I have happiness. And this is why every little thing doesn't bother me to the point that I'm crying all the time and I'm so weak in my heart. No, this Qur'an has brought me strength. So, قَالُوا خَيْرًا They say Qur'an is all good. Why do they say Qur'an is all good? Because Qur'an is really all good. What about some controversial issues? Like Surah An-Nisa and marrying four wives and beating the women and certain other verses would say kill the disbelievers wherever you find them. So, such verses even, what do they say about them? It's right Because they understand them in the proper context. Not out of context, in the proper context, in its relevant situation. So as a result, everything is good to them. Now, it may happen that there are certain commands or certain statements that you still struggle to come to terms with. Because of who you are. And each person is different. That, for example, one person might say, everything makes sense to me. However, this... I don't know why I still don't get it. Or I understand I believe in it but I still cannot do it. Do we have such struggles? Huh? But even then what is the attitude of the humble servant? He says Quran is good I have that fault. You know I'm not strong enough to still take it on. I'm not strong enough to observe it. I'm you know weak in my mind that I still don't understand. There's no problem with the Qur'an. There's no problem with the book of Allah. Because it's the word of Allah. If in everything that Allah decrees, there is goodness, then of course, in everything that Allah has commanded, there is goodness. Right? So, qalu خَيْرًا There's a problem in my understanding. There's a problem in my nafs, in my heart, my desires. There's a problem here. Not with the Qur'an. قَالُوا خَيْرًا Such people who are so humble towards Allah, towards the book of Allah. Allah says, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةَ." For those people who do good, in this life for them is good. In this life they will receive good. They will get a lot of goodness. How? A lot of money? Not necessarily. Fame? Not necessarily. Peace of heart? Peace of mind? Contentment? Yes, for sure. A happy life? Yeah? Despite the difficulties? Yes. You know, Shaykh islam ibn Taymiyyah, people would ask him the most complicated questions. The most complicated questions. And uh, questions were sent to him, even when he was in jail. Such questions which, you know, when he answered, he got into a lot of trouble. But it was amazing that every answer that he gave, he would bring the evidence from the Qur'an and sunnah. And people would be amazed. that How is it that you derived the evidence from the Qur'an and sunnah? Because when the Qur'an has been used as evidence, and the evidence makes sense, it's logical, then who can argue over there? So his answers were always very convincing, very convincing, to the point that the people that he debated with, many times after the debate, his opponents would come to him, and they would apologize for having debated with him. Because, his opinion, his viewpoint was absolutely logical, it made perfect sense. And he was very convincing because he used the Quran and Sunnah as evidence, always. And there were times when he would not be able to find an answer, he would not be able to understand something. He said that at times I go through a hundred tafsir, books of tafsir, to understand the meaning of one ayah. Can you imagine using a hundred? hundred books to find out the meaning of one verse, one sentence and then he said that I would go to, you know, a deserted far off masjid outside the city where no people would regularly come and you know fall into sajda and rub my head and nose in the dust and make dua Ya Mu'allima Adam that O teacher of Adam, O teacher of Ibrahim, teach me also. You taught Adam, teach me also. You taught Ibrahim, teach me also. Ya Sulaiman, fahimni. O one who gave understanding to Sulaiman, you give me understanding too. What you, O oh Allah, have said is haqq. Teach me to understand it. Give me the understanding to accept it. And it is this humility because of which so much was made clear to him. You know, scholars said about him that it was as though all knowledge would be before Ibn Taymiyyah's eyes. You know, when he would be speaking, or when he would be writing, it was as if everything is in front of him. Okay? And he would take from it whatever he wants, and he leaves from it whatever he wants. You know, it's like if something is written in front of you, then what can you do? You can take one word here, one word here, one word there. He knew it so well, he understood it so well, that he would... Uh, make use of it so much. And it's this humility, this attitude, this ribada, this worship, this submissiveness that really brought him happiness in his life. So much so that I told you earlier, he was imprisoned, he was exiled, he had so many enemies from all groups of people, he had enemies. But that man was never sad. Ibn Qayyim said about him, I have not seen anyone live a good life like him. Meaning, the life of Ibn Taymiyyah was really a beautiful life. A beautiful life. We think a beautiful life is what? That you're living in a castle, and everybody's your friends, and everything is beautiful, everything is good. This is what a beautiful life is. His life was spent where? Traveling in the prison, debating, being forced to come to a debate, or, you know, Something like that. So, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةَ Those who do good for them in this life will be goodness. Allah will not delay their reward to the hereafter only. No. He will give them entry into Jannah even in this life. And you know, Ibn Taymiyyah said that whoever does not enter Jannah now will not be able to enter Jannah later. What was he talking about? That Jannah is what the peace and contentment, (laughs) happiness, sukoon, rida, that feeling of rida, that no matter what happens, you are at peace. No matter what happens, you are calm. So (laughs) للذين أحسنوا في هذه الدنيا حسنة. ولا دار الأخرة خير. But surely the home of the hereafter, that's much better. Of course, what is in Jannah, the reward that is over there, there's no comparison to it. la n'Imadarul And surely how good is the home of those who have taqwa. So who are those who have taqwa? Those who are humble. Those who are not proud. Those who accept everything that Allah has given them. They might find difficult, but they still say it's good. Jannah Adenin What is the home of the people of taqwa? Gardens of eternity. Yaduhulunaha, which they will enter. Tajrim in tahtiha al-anhar, underneath which rivers flow. Lahum fihah ma yash'oon. For them is whatever they wish for in Jannah every wish is fulfilled thus does Allah reward the people of taqwa because taqwa is what? that you're so careful so conscious you're keeping away from this and you're keeping away from that you're careful about what you say about what you think about what you feel about what you do about what you look at this is taqwa it's like you have chained yourself you've restricted yourself but those who live carefully now in Jannah they will be free. They will be free. Because the description of Jannah that is given over here, لَهُمْ فِيهَا مَا يَشَاءُونَ What does that mean? They're free. Enjoy yourself. There is no maximum. Just enjoy. Who are the people of Taqwa? The people who are humble. In what state do they die? When the angels come to take their souls, what is their state? طيبين Ones that are Tayyib. طيب. طيبين plural of طيب They live a clean life They live a good life Tayyib, That which is clean So how are they clean? Meaning in their physical body only they're very clean? Physically clean Spiritually clean طيبين Their heart, their thinking Their words Clean even Taymiyyah. Like I mentioned to you, he had many enemies. And many times later on they would go and apologize to him. So when he was imprisoned in the last two years of his life. He was asked by one of his opponents, basically the one who had imprisoned him, that Ibn Taymiyyah should forgive them. And he said, I have forgiven everybody. I have forgiven everybody. Imagine if someone does something, complains about you so that you end up in jail your heart would be full of what? Extreme anger and rage. But that anger is going to destroy who? You. But look at that man, so peaceful he was, that he said, I have already forgiven all my opponents. This is a clean heart. طَيِّبِينَ يَقُولُونَ سَلَامٌ alaykum. The angels will say, Peace be on you. Udukhulul jannah. Enter jannah. Bima kuntum Because of what you used to do. Because of what you used to do. You did something. You didn't just say and think and wish and feel. No, you also did something. So now, entry into jannah. Why? Because good life. Clean life. Clean heart. Clean words. Clean actions. Clean body. Clean ruh. Hal yanzuruna. Now Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala asks, after showing us both of these categories of people, arrogant and humble, there is a difference, right? So those who are just standing by watching, Allah asks, What are they waiting for? Are they waiting illa except antatiyahuul malaika that the angels should come to them? amru rabbik or the command of your Lord should come? Which command? Of punishment? Of death? And why the delay? What is holding us back from running to Allah? What is holding us back from obeying Allah's words, from accepting them, from reading them, from reciting them, from following them, implementing them? What is holding us back? Are they waiting for the angels of death? Are they waiting for some punishment? Thus did the people before them do. They also delayed. They said, Yeah, we'll see tomorrow. Maybe after a few years. But when their time ended, and they were punished, Allah did not wrong them. But they were wronging themselves. فأصابهم. So it reached them. to The evils of عملوا, That which they did. Meaning the evil consequences that they received were what? A result of ma'amilu, What they had done. بهم, and it surrounded them. Hayaqaf to surround. What surrounded them? Ma kanu bihi that which they used to mock at, which they used to make fun of. What did they mock at? Angels of death. What did they make fun of? Afterlife. What did they make fun of? The threat of Allah's punishment. What is it that a person makes fun of? Have you ever made fun of something? So, why is it that certain people or certain things we pick on and we mock at them and certain others we don't? Like, for example, a particular friend of yours. Sometimes, even on their face, you know, like some good friends, they're such that you can make fun of them on their face and they won't mind. And you'll make fun of them. But there are some others who, even though you're very close to them, but they're just not the type that you would make fun of them. You don't take it seriously. Meaning, one friend, you know what they're like. Non-serious attitude, happy, funny. And others, they're very dignified and very proper and very um, sensitive. So, what is not that serious, when something is not a big deal, then you make fun of it. So likewise, when people make fun of Allah's promises, angels, day of judgment, Hellfire, Paradise, when they make fun of this, what does it mean? They don't take these matters seriously. Because if they did, they would never dare to make fun of them. We listen to the recitation. <laughs>
2: فَالْقَوْمُ سَلِمَ مَا كُنَّا نَعْمَلُ مِنْ سُوءٍ بَلَى إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ فَدْخُلُوا أَبْوَابَ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا فَلَبِئْسَ مَثْوَى الْمَتَكَبِّرِينَ وَقِيلَ لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا مَاذَا أَنْزَلَ رَبُّكُمْ قَالُوا خَيْرًا لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَلَدَارُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ ولا نعم دار المتقين جنات عدن يدخلونها تجري من تحتها الأنهار لهم فيها ما يشاؤون كذلك يجزي الله المتقين تَتَوَفَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ طَيِّبِينَ يَقُولُونَ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ ادْخُلُوا الْجَنَّةَ بِمَا كُنتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ هَلْ يَنظُرُونَ إِلَّا أَن تَأْتِيَهُمُ ذلك فعل الذين من قبلهم وما ظلمهم الله ولكن كانوا أنفسهم يظلمون فأصابهم سيئات ما عملوا بهم ما كانوا